0: From the website, girlfriendedcom and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com.
1: All right, so who are the invisibles in your world? When you say that, it kind of reminds me, you know, I love quotes, and I love Henry David Thoreau, but it reminds me of the quote of his, it's not what you look at that matters, but it's what you see. Mm. So when we're talking about invisibles, you know, it's like, I, I, this is a really kind of a good... Good thing to think about because you know we, how many times do we gloss over things? We just kind of scan, and and we really don't. We're not seeing. Yeah, I even notice that sometimes you're going to at a dinner party, and you find yourself intrigued by
2: one person that you can get so focused that. You don't even talk to other people, like, don't even you, notice them. Have you done that? Would yeah, you just and and just now, when you said the invisibles with the quote, I think of the invincibles that little Disney movie yeah. or what, whatever it might not have been Disney, but the invincibles, and you find yourself focusing on the invincibles, yeah, and kind of leaving the invisibles to the wayside. And you have to make it a point to go, I need to engage. And every single person at the table well, The if invisibles are
1: generally quiet mm-hmm. and kind of, and they, they, it's easy to kind of gloss over and not really notice there because they're not screaming for your attention. They're observing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's easy, but I, I've always, this quote always makes me think it's like, mm-hmm. because there is a difference in looking and seeing, seeing is like going beyond and really taking the time and engaging. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it, before we get too far into our show, and you are
2: listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty White and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships, we'll have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com, And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but I, I just want to say, you know, as you are following us on Facebook and Twitter, especially through the holidays, to. Put some quotes that you love on there or just anything that inspires you. Throw it on there so we can all see what our our listeners are thinking and and going through. And I I also want to add, when we're talking about the invisibles, um, those who are observing. I know there have been many times when we've had team meetings and just doing ministries over the years, how... The ones that are thinking, they actually have some, some substantial things to say. And I remember one time we brought duct tape for all the extroverts, the ones that are, you know, boisterous and they have all these ideas and they're kind of processing every single thought. It was out very loud. cute.
1: Print. It was a cute print of duct tape. Yeah, it I think it was to, a yeah. hot pink leopard, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. duct tape. Yeah. It's like we wouldn't get HR involved
2: or anything like that. <laughs> but to use the duct tape on our extroverts, because the introverts had fabulous, as a matter of fact, there's research and studies, all kinds of books that are coming out that the introverts are the ones that have the genius ideas. And we have a tendency to go, like you said, they're invisible and because you kind gloss over. Of gloss over them. Whereas they're sitting there thinking and the reason why they're not talking is they're waiting For it to be perfect. They're waiting to formulate this entire strategy, you know, and they're where people like you and me process out
1: loud. Yeah. And we're not ashamed of that. No. No, (laughs) which we should be sometimes.
2: (laughs) And we just keep building off of our ideas where they've already put all the, the legs on it. And which is interesting because Tell me it. now. I remember at times you and I would almost get, you know, irritated and just keep process, processing out loud that they would call them days after the meeting and have this fabulous thought. And it's like, why didn't you say it in the meeting? Well, because they hadn't perfected it yet. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the, the duct tape came in. But when we, you know, run off of each other's ideas and just keep building on it. That's how we turn it into perfection. And sometimes when you have the ones that are observing and they do ask questions, you feel like they're poking holes in it mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. they're literally putting the legs on it. They're mm-hmm. making it happen. They're Why? refining it. And we're still putting all the
1: ideas out there. Right. And so when they're over here, asking, we're at the 30,000 foot level yes. and they're down on the ground going, Okay, but when you said that, this is how you make it happen. Yeah. And we're like, but we may or may not use that idea. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of right. many, and then we'll refine it down and narrow it down. Yes. But, um, yeah, we kind of got off a, a tangent. But it, it's interesting, though, because it's, it's those voices that sometimes we, we unintentionally silence. Yes. And, yes. And, and, and people that we unintentionally kind of um, overlook Yes. Well, it goes back
2: to especially right now, going into the Christmas holidays. Of, do you see what I see? You know that beautiful, beautiful song, mm, I and love we can look on that, look at that at so many levels. Of, do you see what I see? Are you really putting? And the yourself- answer is no.
1: We don't see what other people no. see. So we think times. we do. We think we do, and but we don't take the time because really to see takes time, mm-hmm. and 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 you have to kind of linger in that place. And we are so quick; we rush by, we pass by, and we don't see. Because I I don't know even with you and me, you know we, we'll be some place or we'll be doing some kind of ministry, and you'll say, "Well, did you notice?" Da da da, and I'll go, "No, I didn't even <laughs> yeah. see." You didn't see da, da da da, and it's like no, and you realize how many times you, you're so in your own you're, focus focused on, on your own little mission yeah, and you don't see on the outskirts and around you and you miss out on so much. Yeah. So it's so like, how much are we missing out on? I mean, there's a time to be focused and tunnel vision, but sometimes we have to be open to, to seeing other things. And there's a whole other world sometimes going on that we miss Absolutely. because we're not looking. We're, we're, we're looking, but not seeing it. Well, and we've been talking about that. You
2: and I, before the show started, just the scandal of invisibility and how, it, it, it made us think that is that why people are blogging and have to put so much on social media because they don't want to be invisible. They do want to say, I'm here. I,
1: matter. I have a voice.
2: Yes. And I can make a difference because you know, it's crazy on social media. You can use things that people put on there as resources or, Oh, that's a good idea. Or, or look, so-and-so is having a garage sale, or. That's a cute way of putting a baby wrap together, you know, whatever it is where we used to have to call each other on the phone and say, Hey, instead of calling the doctor, you know, you'd always call your friend or 20 friends before you'd ever call the doctor. And that was always funny because my husband would go, did you call the doctor? No, but I talked to so-and-so and so-and-so and -and (laughs) and I'm "Well, sure that was good medical advice, but you trusted them sometimes more than you did the medical field because they had just gone through it. And I think now with social media, we put it on Instagram and Facebook and we blog about it, um, to, to matter.
1: Right. Right. And to be heard and to be seen. And, and and it's easy. It's so easy in our crowded, busy lives to overlook, um, you know, significant things that are happening and people are around us that you can just drive by without really, really seeing them and seeing beyond, not just seeing them, but seeing really what is their story, you know, mm-hmm. cause every, every person has a story. Yep. And, um, and you know, it goes back to, we've said this so many times, like everybody needs an advocate, somebody that sees them, mm-hmm. that will use their voice for them, that will speak for them. And you know, we've noticed that so many times as like even being in the hospital you oh, know? Yeah. and you don't want to ever be in the hospital alone because mm-hmm. you need somebody that's on top of things for you, speaking for you, fighting for you. Um, and, and and I think just in life, it's like we want to know that somebody notices me that mm-hmm. has my voice, mm-hmm. that has my back, um, and that I'm not invisible. And I think that's the thing. It goes back to loneliness mm-hmm. and being alone.
3: Mm-hmm. That's one of
1: our greatest fears is yeah. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to be overlooked. And, you know, it goes back to, especially as women, it's like, pick me, pick me. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, and a lot of times we'll do anything to be picked. And then a lot of times people just go, I'm just going to go in hiding because Mm -hmm. obviously I don't matter. And then that takes you down, you know, another spiral. But it's like, how do we start noticing people Mm -hmm. and noticing, um, people that's out there and the different type of people and validating everybody, no matter where they are at Mm -hmm. and, and going, I'm not going to allow people to be invisible. And I think that's a challenge, even as we're going into our holiday season, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who are the invisibles? That maybe God's saying, "I want you to notice this person. I want you to see this person." Yes, you know, and you never know who you might be. in. I was, I was talking to a woman the other day, and she said that she, uh, she was friends. They were friends with this guy, and I can't remember. He, he, he founded one of the the major um, candy companies. And she said, he dressed like a normal person. He drove, he drove an older car. He was very unassuming. And she goes, we would spend Thanksgiving and the holidays with this man who was literally a billionaire, but nobody knew it. Mm. And, and he got overlooked so many times. And he, she goes, I would always thought how many people are passing by him and don't realize he, this guy's a billionaire. He's, a candy, man. He's <laughs> a candy man. He's a billionaire. And, and because he doesn't, that's not his mantra. But people, they overlook them and we, because we tend to judge people. Yeah. We make quick assumptions and quick judgments and we value people upon, we have our own set of judgment and values, you know, like whether it's a certain look or they drive a certain Absolutely. thing or they live at a certain place. And then we, we esteem value to that. Yep. And yet we may be overlooking somebody. Who is like so golden and making such an impact in the world. Yes. Well, with
2: your challenge of to truly ask God, okay, who do you want me to see? I remember back in high school, I was in student government and we had a speaker come in and talk about the invisibles. And I don't, I don't remember what they called it as we're calling it the invisible, but the challenge was find someone that you kind of see as a loner and just talk to them every day. Try to say hi to them. And there was a gal that had her locker down a little ways from mine. And I remember, you know, not consciously judging her, but she looked different than me. She dressed different than me. You know, her hair was maybe a little greasier than mine, which is saying a lot,
1: (laughs) but you You just, you just have hat
2: days. (laughs) Exactly. And she didn't necessarily wear a hat, you know, and, uh, she just was a loner. And I remember starting to say hi to her as we would get into her locker. And then I started asking her what class she's, uh, you know, going to, and lo and behold, she was having to take care. Her father was in a car accident and had been put in a wheelchair and she had been trying to get him places, um, you know, in the morning. So she probably didn't have time to get dressed the the mm-hmm. way I saw that you should be dressing to go to high school. Like I said, I didn't feel like I was judging her, but it kind of um, looks like, yeah. you know, now I look back on it, but I, I just got to know her and, and heard her story. And even that, that helps with people in making a difference is just communicating with them. Well, so- I'm
1: excited for our next guest, and we're going to take a quick commercial break here and come back with our guest because she noticed somebody that was invisible to the rest of them and gave them dignity, and it was it was a little baby, and I think that's so cool. It's like how do we Absolutely. value and give dignity and um, to each person? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio.
0: For more information, go to stadia.cc. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio.
3: Man cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids. His dogs love it, too. Last night, I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? phobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on togynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
2: Well, we just went into the commercial break talking about visibles um, invisibles that are out there and how... Uh, I forget when it was and what we were doing, but I remember one time you saying, you know, everybody needs an advocate. And that that sounds like... Yeah, of course, everyone needs an advocate. But when you said it, it was like the gates of heaven open.
1: That doesn't happen very often. <laughs>
2: uh, no, it doesn't. The, the gates are for oh, me. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> but I do remember thinking, yes, you know, everyone truly needs yeah. to have that person that you know, I have your back, and you have my back. And. Our next guest, Linda Zanacco, she is someone who is just an amazing advocate, and she's taken on an entire ministry to say, I have your back. And she um, is the founder of He Knows Your Name, a ministry that gives children a name in life and dignity and honor in death. And she also partners with mothers who do not want their children's legacies to be the circumstances of their death. Her aim is to assist the grieving to find healing and purpose in knowing every life is sacred to God. So we are honored to have you, Linda, today. So welcome. Thank you. It's great to
4: be with you both.
2: Yes. And you know what? We just have so many questions. Um, first of all, we we want to find out, so what happened in your life? And we, we just noticed that when People, God puts us on a journey, and it's those experiences that all of a sudden you feel like, hey, there's a void here, and this is where God is sending me on this path. And you just all of a sudden you join God, and He blows it into this whole entire ministry. So what happened on your journey that you decided to start this ministry?
4: Well, you know, it's kind of funny you ask me that question that way, because I feel like I was raised in this Oprah culture. Where we kept hearing that out of our experience, you know, we should go do things and be proactive and that's, you know, go help, help someone in the way that you were helped. And I was not someone who had infant loss in my life. I'm not um, someone who had an abortion or a miscarriage or a still life. So I didn't, it didn't, wasn't born out of something I experienced. I just was in a different season of brokenness for a whole lot of other reasons, but it really made no sense when God asked me to run an errand for Him and get some answers to some questions when He seared my heart when I saw that breaking news story. So, you know, sometimes I think when the Holy Spirit disturbs us, we're surprised and we don't understand it. But I think as believers, we're called to believe first and understand later. And that's really what this was for me.
1: Well, and you know, if we were talking earlier about um, that quote by Henry David Thoreau, you know, it's not what you look at that matters, but it's what you see. Mm-hmm. So you actually saw something, you know, you just didn't look yeah. at the news clip that you saw. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we're we're really hesitant, if we're honest, we're hesitant to see because see, if we really see something, we might be responsible to do something about it. <laughs> and, and, I, and, you know, I think we avoid that. We're like, I don't know what I would do. I don't know where to start. I feel so inadequate. We come up with all these excuses. I'm too busy, all this stuff. And, and then, we, then we take on the guilt because I didn't and I should have. But you saw something um, that you couldn't undo because once you see things, I mean, truly yeah. see things, you can't unsee it. So kind of go that because that's what differentiates you, you know, because mm. we all can see news things that break our heart or you read something, you're like, okay, I can't handle that. And sometimes like, yeah. no, I read things and with children, I'm like, I can't handle this. I can't fathom this. And you just want to flip the page or you want to flip the channel or go on to something else because you don't really know what to do with it. And it's too overwhelming. So break it down because you, you, you saw something that led to action and obedience. Mm hmm.
4: Yeah, so hearing the breaking news story about the baby doe found in a dumpster wearing only a diaper, um, you know, caused my heart to run faster, no question about it. And I think that there's no question that we, with the 24-hour news cycle of our culture, we see so much and hear so much and we get overwhelmed and we go numb and we just sit there and don't know how to respond. And so then we do nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, seeing that, you know, that one thing like hit my body and made my heart race so much, I couldn't deny it. And so... I just thought, you know, I've got questions, I need to get answers. I didn't even have to leave my chair to take the first action step that God was asking me to do for him, and that was just get answers, and so I made a phone call. But to your point about once you see something, you can't not, you know, respond to it, it's undeniable. That's really when I got the answers to the questions and they were so disturbing to me, I thought, now I know something and now I really can't shake it. And that was that... When I said, what happens to a baby that's been left unclaimed? And they explained to me the criminal investigation process and how long this could be. And I said, put my name on the case. And they said, well, you're the only one that's called and that was, one, that was like the first moment I could see like in my <laughs> into myself of like, okay, this really has my name on it. This is for me because if no one else is called, it's kind of obvious, sure. right? And right. so and when, when she told me this baby will be put in a mass grave, and then I was so shaken to the core. And I thought, really, in this country, in the 21st century, we still have those? How can that be? And so that riveted me to this place of shaking my head like, no, not on my watch, not in my generation is this going to happen. Knowing what I know now, this is not going to be. And it just emboldened me to step up and just kind of, you know, posture myself ready. And I had no idea that God had been preparing me in so many ways Throughout the three decades I've been walking with him, really, for such a time as this, to have to take on this, grow with this message of the gospel, being an advocate for the under-resourced in our city and in many places in the country, and being a voice and bringing the light of Jesus to a really hard, dark place. And yet the joy of doing that, walking obediently with him, accepting the invitation he's given me to have more of him in this place, especially at the grave, which... Of course, God does his best work at the grave. So I've seen and tasted of him now in a place that's so sacred and intimate.
1: Mm. You know, it's, it's one thing that's like when, when you see something and on a personal level and your heart is wrecked. And you're, and you're like, okay, i got to do something about it. And you start, like you said, asking questions, making phone calls, start doing things. But then there's the whole other realm of like family and friends. Because it's like you're not the same. Um, mm-hmm. you saw something different mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and been your heart's been broken in a different way. How did, what was kind of the response? Cause that's the other thing is like, you want people to go, did you just see what I saw? And, yeah. and so many times they don't. And, mm-hmm. and then that puts, you know, that's hard. Cause you're like, okay, but I want you to join me in this maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, um, why didn't you see this? You know, and so a, a whole other set of emotions, can you address that a little bit? I mean, did you mm-hmm. experience that? We're like, okay, I, you can almost feel alone in your, in your journey of, Mm -hmm. okay, somebody must do something about this and, and God's put this on my heart, but it's, it's frustrating sometimes when you go, but he didn't put it on everybody else's heart.
4: (laughs) That's so true. Um, It's so interesting because when I told my husband about it, he has got a huge heart for kingdom work. And he immediately, who, I mean, as a guy who says more yeses than me, you know, was like, yes, go, you know, like, not just chase after it, but run after it. Um, and so I, I got the people closest to me, my dear friend and some of my Bible study friends, you know, who have walked with me for 20 years of just all of life. And some of those people, lots of questions, kind of looking at me like, seriously, this is kind of creepy. You called a corner. I mean, this is not easy stuff. And. You know, there. And some people said, "I didn't know you were interested in the funeral home business." <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, "I'm still not. Trust me." You know, when I go in there, I have to tell them, "Don't talk shop around me. This is kind of odd." Um, but you know, I didn't get a lot of support from some places um, in my life that really surprised me, and I don't want to say much more about that because sure. it'll be too difficult. But right, I I did encounter that, and I have experienced the loneliness of that. But there's something so sacred about walking with Jesus in the intimate places. And when, you know, we really believe that the gospel of life is where the heart of God is, his heart beats for his children because he has put his identity on us. And it, the Bible says that we are written on the palms of his hands. And the whole book of Isaiah speaks and calls to the fact that he has summoned us by name. And he's bestowed upon us a title of honor. And he's known us before, you know, we were ever in our mother's womb. And so the things I knew about God and I have learned for decades and decades in Bible study were coming alive off the page of the Bible to me in a way that I just have never seen happen before. And so the companionship of God's Word, a place I just had never experienced. and It was so satisfying. Um, and then I think the other surprise was... That as I stepped out and had to find resources because I thought, okay, if I'm going to take care of this baby, I need a funeral home, and I need a cemetery, and I need all these different things. And I started making phone calls, and the relationships God brought me, the people that said, yes, I'm in this with you, mm-hmm. he built a team around me of people who said yes and said, I believe in what you're doing, and I'm with you in this. And then years into my ministry, when a funeral became a double funeral with baby Amelia and baby Harmony, I went to my, my partners and I said, okay, look, look, this is what's going on. We're kind of ready for this one funeral, this baby that was found by a hiker at Eagle Creek Park. I've a- adopted this child, named this child. I've got the baby's burial gown. But now we've got another baby to take care of. So I think I'm supposed to do both of these together and I'm thinking they've gotta think I'm crazy. And they didn't. You know, so it was kind of it's what's become familiar to me is that God through strangers who've become my friends, become my spiritual family around this ministry, have become where I have found the safest place to do the work of God and the kingdom work in the city and in other places and when i call them and say hey there's a baby that's been found in new jersey will you make a phone call for me and help me find a funeral home and they're on it and they're with me and we're partnering and we're multiplying so it didn't come from the obvious places like church friends or you know mm-hmm. people that have known me a long time it came from really strange new places
1: but were so equally as
4: wonderful and satisfying
1: I, it's, it's so refreshing to hear, you know, when God does put um, a a burden on you, he does provide the resources and the Mm -hmm. people, and it does come in um, from unlikely places, which makes... You know, which just is so amazing and where you truly sit back and go, that was only God who could provide all of that and who could step in and his heart is in this with my heart and he's connecting my heart to his. This is such a beautiful you know, story we can't wait. We want to hear more and we're going to have to take a, a quick break here um, and then come back and just keep talking about this because it, it's one thing to have your heart stirred. And it's, it's one thing, another thing to have it stirred enough into action, which is what you did. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with girlfriend at radio.
0: This is Girlfriend on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended radio right after these.
5: We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California.
0: This is the TokyNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's merging
3: celebration of what would have been author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Roald Dahl's 100th birthday, Oxford University Press has published the Oxford Roald Dahl Dictionary. The dictionary is both authoritative and a little bit mischievous and includes everyday words plus those invented by Dahl for his books. One of my favorite words from the dictionary is Zazimus. That is what the big friendly giant calls the stuff that dreams are made of, which he whisks with his magical egg beater. Roald Dahl loves the letter Z, which he uses in his mystical words, like fizz whizzing, zip fizzing, and zunk. By now you might be feeling a bit biff squiggled that's another word for confused or puzzled it's i'm carolyn davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app too funny for words
0: welcome back to girlfriended radio a chance for you to let your hair down curl up with a mug of whatever you love and have some nice girl talk it's Girlfriended, the radio show on TogiNet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
2: Well, we have been having a great conversation with Linda Znako, and she is a sought after speaker in churches, conferences, and retreats. She's been involved with discipling women for more than 25 years. Regularly, she um, is involved with local and regional media, working to bring attention to the problem of abandoned, unwanted, and marginalized children. And together, her and her husband have founded Zacchaeus Foundation which basically funds ministries across the globe, uh, dedicating um, just for safe families for children. And Linda, we we left and went on a commercial break. And I love what you said, how God built this team through strangers, and that became your spiritual family, rather than the ones that perhaps, you know, in your plan A that you thought of first. And, and like you said, Lisa, that's when, you know, you know, God brings these resources that, you know, it's so God. And I, I remember watching, um, a, a movie called uh machine gun preacher and this guy was in Africa. And it's one of those movies that you kind of don't want to throw out there because there's so much profanity and it's, you know, It's definitely that you (laughs) definitely for certain eyes only. Or ears. Or ears. (laughs) And he he just took on this this orphanage uh with you know in Africa and he was so passionate. He would Mm. come back to the United States and he would think if I tell people which you and I went through this as well, you're so excited about a ministry. And you think everybody you talk to is going to be? Where can I sign up? And mm-hmm. how can I support this? And instead they You're go, like, oh, and why wouldn't they? And why wouldn't they? And instead they go, oh, that's nice. You know, the little pat yeah, on the head. That's fine. That's good. Good. And that's what he would do in it in the in the movie. It shows how he goes to this party and this guy is in his alcohol alone spending like five thousand dollars for, you know, a dinner party. And he's like, Do you know what I could do with five thousand dollars? But you know what? It God brings other people and brings other resources Mm -hmm. and that's when you know, um, for those of you out there, our listeners that are feeling frustrated with their ministries or organizations that it's amazing because then you know it's, mm-hmm. God has his hand in it when mm-hmm. it comes from something other than what you think or where you think it should come from.
4: And right. that's going to be bridging. It's for sure, that's so important to say that because when we know it's God, then it, we can. it pushes us through the emotional hardship of not just the situation we're in, but also the loneliness in community when people don't understand our passion. And so it's kind of, that comforting place of like, well, Jesus, at least you get it. (laughs) You know, at least you're my companion in this. So, And so I think it is, we have to know that we are so rooted in the calling. And I knew immediately when I saw the breaking news story that said, Baby Doe found in a dumpster wearing only a diaper, when immediately the Holy Spirit reversed that statement in my heart, and all I saw was, Doe is not a name, a dumpster is not a grave, and a diaper is not burial clothing. I thought, that that is God's idea. He's mm-hmm. redeeming something before I can even breathe my next breath. And so when he gave me the spiritual eyes to see the way he saw it, I, it, it just empowered me to move forward. And I think we have to have that so that we can push through the hard places that we need to push in order to, to like really walk out into our calling. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, to walk out into your calling and i and I think the biggest part there we've all seen that where you've been with someone that they've been called to something and they almost get obnoxious about mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. calling with you and to the point point where they can shame you, almost school yeah. you yeah. or scorn you that you're not jumping on on board, and all of a sudden you're getting inundated with text messages or, you know, on Facebook, they keep, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get you to understand their cause, which not saying that we shouldn't be passionate about our calling, but I do think you have to um, have a little bit of discernment as to, Hey, this this person has their own calling and has their own cause that they're going to, I can't drag somebody over the finish line. I can right, only right. pray that, that God, Will bring these people, and that's why I love that you said that about it. Was the strangers that became your spiritual family?
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also really the overriding um, hope of my book for me. Like saying yes to writing this book was a whole other gigantic yes. But really, what compelled me was that when God gave me Revelation nineteen ten, that says, "Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy." And I thought, yes, that's what this is, because when I tell these stories with all this passion, of course, I see revelation come over people, and they're seeing things differently, hearing things differently. They're they're maybe realizing that the way they thought about life or um, the gospel is different than they thought. And I just saw that God was doing something in them, but then I noticed in everyone, he was doing something different. And Mm -hmm. what they were really responding to was the movement of God and the fact that, you know, I was sharing about the power of the Holy Spirit, the, um, the life and breath of God's Word being, you know, just so full and alive and full of revelation for us here today. And my, my hope for my book is that it inspires and encourages people to find out what it is that there has their name on it. Where is their best yes today for, for you know, an obedient response to God? That I would just hope that this, the calling that God put on my life to start He Knows Your Name and fulfill this calling would be inspirational um, to just have people say, gosh, you know, where's my yes, and what is God calling me to? Because I'm a unique, crafted child of God, too, and it was never my goal to have people— mimic what I'm doing or that people franchise. He knows your name all over this country. That's not it at all. It's that they might read the book, be encouraged, be inspired, and then close it and then talk to God about it and say, God, what do you have for me? Where's my next yes? How do I hear you? I mean, Ezekiel 2.1 says he wants to speak to us. I want to encourage people that God still speaks. He still calls. And when women who are my age at 56 say to me, well, aren't you lucky? You have a call in your life. I just don't. You know, I don't want to shame them, but I do want to speak truth over to people to say, we are resourced in this country. We are, you know, God has equipped us with so much that we don't even realize. But we all as women have a calling on our life to be life givers. We're nurturers and there's so much as carriers of the gospel that we have to do. It may not look like mine. It may not even be a specific one thing, but it is a something. Find your something.
1: Well, and that is the thing. We we stop short. We don't... Um... We, again, we don't really look. We don't, we don't take the time to discover, you know, uh, where is God calling me? Where is he leading me? What, is, what would he have me see that he wants me to do something about? And um, we dismiss ourselves very easily. Um, well, we don't think we're
4: equipped. Yeah, if we don't
1: think we're equipped or if we're only
4: looking back at our experience and thinking our experience is going to be what we're supposed to be doing, I want mm-hmm. to say none of, none of this that I'm doing has anything to do with my experience. It has Mm. to do with the fact that God called me to do it, and I'm just doing it. And the faithful step of doing it and finding how absolutely enormous this God of the universe is and how he has actually already prepared me and equipped me to do these things for him and step out. Because at the the end of the day, the boiled-down version of all of this is the gospel. You know, it's the babies, the headstones, the services, the meeting with people. It's all opportunity to love people well and introduce them to Kingdom Living. And that Mm -hmm. there's hope and that the bookends of my ministry are is Easter weekend. I find people at the tragedy of Good Friday And I whisper in their ear the hope that I know there's an Easter morning here somewhere because Mm -hmm. I know the God of the Bible is alive and living, and he has so much for you. Redemption and hope is right around the corner. Let's find it together. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just hanging on with dear life for so many people, but like you said earlier, being an advocate, being that person of hope and encouragement, reminding them that they are too a child of God, that it inspires people that maybe there is purpose on their life and that there's legacy to be had. And I wanted to say to everyone,
1: yes, there's purpose in everyone's life. Go find it and seek after it and don't stop until you find it. Well, and those are just such great, you know, challenging and inspiring words. And and your book, He Knows Your Name, um, What we only have two minutes. We're going to take a break, and we're going to ask you to stay on with us. Um, but when you – what. What have been some of the unexpected surprises in this journey, in this process of, you know, really, you know, it's like, you know, when you use the three words, the dumpster, the the diaper and, you Mm -hmm. know, baby dough, it's like giving this child its dignity and and recognizing it you know, is, is created in the image of God. What is, as you're doing that with, with children, what has been some of the unexpected surprises? And you just have like two minutes to tell us uh, for the break in, <laughs> okay, in this journey. Okay.
4: Well, I think a surprise is that, you know, we hear in the news about an abandoned baby. Maybe I, baby Moses was in a creek and baby Amelia was at the park. Okay, we hear those. What I was absolutely shocked by was that there are babies abandoned at the coroner's office and a funeral home, and at the hospital. Last year alone, I adopted five babies from area hospitals that were left there after birth. They know the parents. They know they have medical documents and people walk away and do not take care of their babies in death. And that becomes a legal issue. And so I've just been so surprised. It's so much need. And I just never knew any of this. And so the amount of I guess just surprises every day. I mean, I just this most recently was a baby abandoned in a funeral home, and in seven years like that has not been one that I knew about. I mean, that I knew even could happen like that, because I'm like, you know the people who brought this baby here. I don't understand this. And yet these things happen, and just stepping in with the basic principle of, okay, the firm foundation of He Knows Your Name is to make sure that every baby, every child has a name in life and dignity and death. And this all fits. I don't have to know the circumstances or understand the people behind them. I just have to stay focused on what God called me to do and what he calls me to provide. And when he put the calling on my life to provide, he said, you know, gather resources, but also it's for me to do. It's for me at the beginning of my ministry when I didn't have financial resources provided by others. I just did it myself. And when God calls us to do something, it's for us to do.
1: And that's a great way to end this, this segment. When God call, He does provide, and He He equips mm-hmm. us. And he resources, uh, and, you know, we can come up with all the excuses we want to, but we really, when it comes down to it, we don't really have an excuse because we have God, mm-hmm. and yeah. and he yeah. wants to provide. And we're just, you know, we just fail to allow him to, mm-hmm. and we close our fists instead of opening them to receive from him to be able to do the work that he's called us to do. And, and you know, that's something we we really do need to think about because we, we default to the excuses first. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. and love this conversation. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio
0: this is girlfriend on tugging don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriend.com it's time to discover it connect it propel it girlfriend it and we'll be right back with more girlfriend radio right after these
5: my husband and i have always wanted to plan a new church after 10 years god finally affirmed that in us we thought we were on our own we never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia.
0: Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
5: Oh, the benefits of fiber. A high-fiber diet can lower your blood cholesterol levels, normalize your digestive function, and improve control of your blood sugar levels. It can even help you lose weight by giving you a feeling of fullness longer. So consequently, you don't eat as much. According to Livestrong, the University of Illinois says that we should be consuming 25 to 35 grams of fiber every day. The Journal of the American Diabetic Association found that a diet consisting of whole grain oat cereal, which is high in fiber, decreased LDL levels, which is the bad cholesterol, by almost 8% among overweight adults. So load up on cereal, grains, fruit, and vegetables, and increase your fiber intake. I'm Annette Hammond. For more fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at annettehammond.com.
2: Well, we have been having just an amazing conversation with Linda Tanaco, and she's the founder of He Knows Your Name. It's a ministry that gives children a name in life and dignity and honor and death. And she partners with mothers who do not want their children's legacy to be the circumstances of their death. And her and her husband then started a found are um, founded a ministry called Zacchaeus Foundation. And Linda, just now we're in that last 15 minutes where we're trying to cram everything that we possibly possibly, <laughs> and we, we want to hear more about your, your book and where to find your book. But earlier, Lisa and I were talking about, there's like three different types of people in the world. And not that you can really put people in three categories, but you have the one category where you're just, and it might just be a season for you where you, um, you just hate your life basically. And you complain, you wake up in the morning and it's, I've got to go through traffic. Uh, my coffee is not it's very myopic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you, you literally talk to these people where you, you get to the point where you want to run when you see them, because there's always this cynical, critical spirit. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other ones who, you know, they, they're not complaining, but you can tell they're just in survival mode. They might be overwhelmed and they just, they're really struggling with Having that balance, and I hate to use the word discipline because it doesn't always mean you have to be disciplined in, in life. I know that's that's my land. Thank you for where clarifying that. It's all it's all results driven, which that's an issue too. When you have to be so, you know, that day you have to. Did you see, just say you
1: have an issue? I do have an issue.
2: <laughs> and then you have that third personality, that temperament who appreciates life, and they want to make the world a better place, and they really do hear God's calling and they they just they look at life and go how where's the void how can i make it better they wake up and w- where i see the difference is this person just has pure gratitude they're yes. excited about what god is doing and they feel blessed continuously and it doesn't mean because they they have all these things It just means they see life differently from a different lens. So in, in saying those, those three types of of people, where would you say, you know, that, that third person, how do you get to that place where you're so grateful? Because you're seeing some horrific things here and it would be really easy to kind of get in that dark place.
4: Mm -hmm. That's so true. I mean, you know, people who like, honestly, people who have like more of a spiritual gift of mercy, um, you know, feel so deeply. Um, and it would, it's, I, I realize that even when I'm telling stories to some people, you know, I, I guess start getting that look like, oh, goodness, I see that they're getting overwhelmed and I need to protect their heart because this is hard stuff. And, um, and so there's the different ways that we're made and gifted and our personality temperaments, like you're talking about. But, you know, really overall, we live in a very cynical world. People are discouraged. There's so much going on. Like I referred to, the 24-hour news cycle is numbing people and making people live in fear. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, as much as the word discipline is kind of like this hard, boring word to hear, I find that I look at it this way. Like they are just the disciplines are like guardrails on the, the road I'm running on. And I need them there because they protect me. And mm-hmm. so gratitude is really one of those guardrails for me that I have to walk closely to the guardrail of gratitude because it gives, it gives me perspective and I need perspective all the time. I need balance all the time. And so even though I'm one of those people that really, I just, I've always had a childlike faith. I just am not cynical. I, I see the bright side to a lot of things. I, I have been discouraged in my life. I have had physical things that have taken me down and been hard for me. I've had hard pregnancies, and I've raised four children, and my you know, my parents have both died. I mean, I have been through it. Um, so the other thing is I have to walk closely to the Word of God because mm-hmm. knowing who God is – Reminds me who I am, and when I am reminded by Him who I am, and I don't look to this world for that definition, I can clearly stand in confidence who He made me to be and who I am. And it just—it not only tells me who I am, but it tells me whose I am. And so when I remember who God is, I'm like He's—you know—he's the one in control. He's the one who knows me, and I'm known by him. He has gifted me, and he's got this road for me to walk on. He hasn't given me every road to walk on. He's given me this road to walk on. And so as a woman, you know, staying really far away from the guardrail of comparison and jealousy and competitiveness, which are so dangerous for us, you know, I, I've been there in my life as a woman. I've, I've been on those roads. They, are not, they don't serve me well at all. And so I have to run far from those so that I can stay really clear and focused. And the disciplines really help me do that. And so being a consistent person um, who walks on a road where I know I'm supposed to walk um, allows me to be free. And so I feel like people are in bondage to so much fear and so much comparison and so I just have to stay really far from that.
2: Mhm. Mhm. Those those are such great tips for our our listeners and you said something there on just, you know, surrounding yourself with people that that support you know what you're doing and I I feel that that is so significant to really pour into relationships, mm-hmm. pour into the people. It's easy sometimes to just get so focused on the results that you're not focusing on the, uh, the journey with others because that's all, all a part of it. And when you were talking about, you know, headstones being a part of kingdom living, it's easy to go wait we want to see results. We want to know how many people are actually coming to Christ because of this ministry. And I think all of us, as the older you're getting, you really see that this journey, we might not know on this side of heaven, how many people that that has had an impact on. And, and I, when you said that it's so true, it's like headstones, who would have known that headstones are making an impact on bringing light into that darkness.
4: Well, I think they do because what they point to is legacy. And when we think about legacy, it forces us to not just think about our life in terms of like salvation, like, okay, I'm saved, done. I'm in the done column over here. But salvation is an invitation. It's not just a destination. So when we walk in invitation with God and we realize that everything is an opportunity to grow and share and be a part of the kingdom movement. And, you know, when I stand over a headstone and I share the Gospel with a family that i 've never met before that is just an opportunity for me to talk about legacy and When there was a baby in Ohio that had died, lived thirteen minutes, and a family was so broken, so dysfunctional, generationally had not been um, experiencing any kind of healthy family life at all. But for some reason, when this baby was born, everyone rallied, and they all pitched in and helped pay for the uh, the funeral, but they didn 't have enough money for a headstone and someone contacted me. I drove to Ohio. And I stood over this grave with this family, and I said to them, you know, look at this freshly turned dirt where this headstone's been laid. Doesn't it just make you wonder where you're going to go when it's your turn to be here? Because at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, we have nothing in common except that we're all going to end up here. (laughs) We just all are. And it begs the question. So this, what, you know, this baby lived 13 minutes. Was there purpose on a life that was 13 wow. minutes? And I said, oh my goodness, this baby, we have three generations of family gathered here. You have not gathered for generations. But for mm-hmm. some reason, 13 minutes of this baby's life spoke peace over this family. This child's legacy is peace and is changing all the generations, brought us all here today to talk about where are you going to be when it's your turn to be put in the ground and what is someone going to stand over your grave and say? Because we're writing our obituary every day. We just don't like to think of it (laughs) like that, but we are. And we're living our legacy today. Like, what am I leaving behind? And it really does matter to all of us. We just don't talk about it. So if I talk about the baby in the ground to the land of the living around standing on the grass, And we all confront those really hard questions. And really that headstone was the key to get me into the door of this family's deep, dark side. And we got to talk about some really hard things. And I shared the gospel of Jesus with them. And I asked them, where are you going to be when it's your turn? Mm -hmm. And three generations of family accepted Christ that day. Wow. And I came back oh, wow. a month later with Bibles for Everyone with their names on every Bible. And I said, you li- you will never be the same because this little baby lived 13 minutes. You all have had decades to live. What are you doing with your life? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very confrontive. Yeah. But it's just the gospel is the end game. Like, what are we doing as we choose to live the lifestyle of kingdom living? So it's not just that I'm salvation-minded. I'm sanctification-minded. And to be sanctified, I have to live a life of discipline. I have to live a life of focus. But I have a lot of fun, too. You know, I'm, I'm still just someone who loves fashion and loves hanging out with my friends and loves going Christmas shopping. So, mm-hmm. you know, But it doesn't mean that I can be careless about my life. I mean, I, I'm very sobered by life. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of of abundant life God has for us today. And that's what I'm enjoying too.
1: And you know, and and that's just a good reminder again, to really take the time to notice, to see, to appreciate. I mean, there's so many things instead of just get so caught up in the, the routine of, of the day and, the checklist that Mm -hmm. we have to do. And we miss so much of where God is working around us Mm -hmm. and what he's doing in people's lives and, and taking time, like you said, I mean, that's so such a powerful story, 13 minutes of this baby and leaving a legacy of peace. And it's like, if we all could do Mm -hmm. half that much, you know, like you said, you know, you you talk to them, what are you doing with your, you know, all the years that we've been, we've been given years and yet this baby was given 13 minutes Mm -hmm. and it, And he changed generations. And I love that, Linda. We are writing
2: our obituary every day. And it goes back to in those three temperaments, the one that's in survival mode. Mm -hmm, Do you really mm -hmm. want that to be in your obituary? Overwhelmed, just surviving, barely making it through life. Yeah. Which I get it. We we have seasons where you are doing that. But what can you do even through that? What can you be grateful for? Exactly. And
4: I think we have to choose the banner over our life. You know, Mm -hmm. is it going to be overcomer? Is it going to be disciple? You know, I think even though we have three different personality types or, you know, we want to generally categorize that and that's all fine and fun to do and talk about all that. But at the end of the day, Jesus basically says to everyone, go and make disciples. You're all a disciple first and foremost and what are you doing with that and how are you being discipled by me I mean am I sitting at the feet of Jesus every day I call it hem time I run to the feet of Jesus every day and I touch his hem because I need him I want his power I want to connect with him and I want him to turn to me and call me daughter and when he does worship fills my soul and you know we could call that gratitude like where that, that comes over us and we remember who we are and whose we are and just all of a sudden I'm like I can do this Life, I can do whatever God's called me to do or live in my family or take care of my difficult
1: family Linda, members or whatever. To, you know. Linda, I love your enthusiasm. We have to end there at the show that in such a high note. Thank you for being a part of our show and thank you to all listening to Girlfriend It Radio. Have a great day. Bye bye.
0: Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend The show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.